This is Gridiron Graduates, a weekly podcast covering all things football. Episode number 67, Gridiron Postgraduates, recorded April 5th, 2017. What's going on, guys? Gridiron Graduates, hit you guys back up. Another fun week talking football one week closer to the NFL draft. Bill Rossetti, Ian Wharton hitting you guys back up. I hope you guys had a good week. Glad you can join us back here again as we continue our dive through each of the divisions and kind of previewing the little the draft a little bit as we can finally say this month is the draft. Can you, can you believe it, man? It's already it's April. The draft's in a few weeks. Your draft guide came out. Congratulations, man. Uh, how's that been going so far? Uh, it's been going really well, man. Um, I really appreciate all the support from everybody. Um, sales have been really good and, and encouraging and, and definitely pretty close to where I was hoping to get, um, especially early on. I mean, we've only had it out for, for less than a week, so um, yeah, really encouraged by that. So just really appreciate everyone's support and feedback. Feedback's been phenomenal, so awesome. Um, awesome. haven't had any issues at all with it. So you know, it looks like this will be a template that, you know, if I keep making it moving forward, which that's the goal and the hope, that uh probably be pretty pretty similar to this and then just kind of make small changes here and there just to continue to help it evolve. Yeah, no, man, like, like I said, the way it came out I think was fantastic. Um, you know, really smooth, really easy for people to just kind of look through and understand what's going on. So I think it came out really good. And, you know, great to hear that the, these first few days have been successful for you. So congrats on that, man. Thanks, man. Um, but, yeah, so we're about, what, three weeks away from the draft? Poof, uh, boy. Crazy to, crazy to think, man. It's, it feels like just yesterday we were talking about the Super Bowl, and now here we are. Schedule will be coming out soon, too. Uh, you know, looking forward to seeing who the Patriots will open with, who, uh, you know, and whatnot. You know, schedule release. Yeah, that's how you know the NFL has a grasp on its fans when – when we could have such a big hype about the schedule release and we all get so excited, even though we already know who the teams are playing. It's just, oh, we get to play them on this day. We have this many Monday night games. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, exciting month coming up, man. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I used to not really understand, like, what the big hype is about it. You know, I personally don't really get excited about schedule release, but um, I know a lot of folks travel for uh, for games, and, and those are a lot of awesome fans. I mean, if you're... Someone who flies to away games or, or even figures out what home games they're trying to go to, um, yeah, that's that's really cool. And um, yeah, I respect those fans for sure because that's a lot of investment into teams. And um, but you know, hey, that's if you're that type of fan, more credit to you. So uh, let's kind of jump into it before we get to the divisions. We'll touch on a couple of notes um, from the past week. The first note, of course was the release and then eventual retirement of one Tony Romo. Uh, the Cowboys decided to, re- to finally release him, and I believe that they're going to make him a post-June 1st cut, which you know obviously makes a lot of sense because it's going to give the Cowboys some cap relief for this year um, instead of what would have been none had they just cut him outright. So. And then he decides to retire. He will actually replace Phil Simms as the lead analyst on CBS, which I know has made a lot of members of Twitter very happy that Phil Simms 
uh, will no longer be that top guy. So it'll be really interesting, though, to, to see that pairing of Jim Nance and Tony Romo. But, um, you know, it was obviously a hell of a career for Romo. You know, he obviously had the stigma of not being clutch. But really, when you look at the numbers, he certainly was clutch in situations. And he obviously posted a lot of great numbers. Yeah, he you know only played in a couple of playoff games, didn't win many, but... I mean, obviously not all of that is his fault, and, you know, overall it was just a fantastic career that was, you know, certainly marred by injuries a little bit, but, you know, definitely going to be a mess. It's going to be weird not seeing Romo in the NFL now after so long, and, you know, especially the way he came in, too, you know, undrafted out of Eastern Illinois and just kind of made such a fantastic career for himself, and that'll be interesting to watch the next chapter of his life being paired with Jim Nance in some of these big games on CBS. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see whether that sticks. And, you know, it kind of sounded like Adam Schefter almost retreated a little bit um, after he had reported that he was going to be cut and he was going to you know, go to the TV route because he kind of said, hey, you know, we'll see what happens closer to training camp, see if anybody calls and needs a quarterback. I mean, if that's the case, then, I mean, yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. I think he'll be back on the uh, uh, back on the field because Houston and Denver desperately need quarterbacks um, and and maybe Houston or maybe Denver feels comfortable with Paxton Lynch and that's fine if they do uh, you know I don't think that's a a huge mistake if they do that obviously I think Romo's better but like at some point they will have to turn the keys over to Paxton Lynch but I think Houston is such a natural fit for Tony Romo and I, I just I think they're going to be all in on acquiring him once he is cut, and I'm surprised that they haven't moved a late round pick to secure his rights. But I also get it; his contract is is really bad. So um, my prediction is I think Romo will come back. But I mean, even if he did hang it up, if you look at the numbers, I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. I, I would probably not consider him a Hall of Famer. I think he's a guy that's Hall of very very good. Um, although he does have some better career numbers than than Kurt Warner. Uh, and I, and I, I agree with you. I don't think that it was fair to say that he was unclutch. I think he was a very clutch player uh, throughout his career. There's a lot of numbers that, that point that uh, out and back that up, and he just didn't have a, a great supporting cast around him throughout his career, especially on defense. But, you know, it's a guy with 65% completion percentage, 34,000 career yards, um, and that's considering the last two years he had less than 1,000 total. In the first two years of his career, he didn't play. So a lot of that came after he turned 26 years old. Uh, 248 career touchdowns, 5.7% of his throws went for touchdowns, um, 117 interceptions. So he had twice the amount of touchdowns as he did interceptions. That's just fantastic. Um, yards per average throw, 7.9 yards, which is again phenomenal. You're looking at the top of the top of the um, the charts, really, with that uh, quarterback rating, almost near 100. And, and you know, I don't believe a ton in some of these these stats, and but I mean, I think when you look at the course of his career, they do help encapsulate how good of a player he was. Um, six career playoff games, obviously only two and four. Yeah, I don't really hold that against him again. He didn't play great in the playoffs. He had a couple really good performances, though. His first two games were pretty forgettable. And unfortunately, those stuck with him throughout his career. Uh, but he, you know, he was a, he was a solid player. 
Uh, I hope we haven't seen the last of him. I think he's still got um, quite a bit in the tank left. Um, the question is just whether he can actually not even play 16 games. I think if he can just play like 13 games and play in the playoffs, I think you'd be pretty happy with that if you're Houston because obviously it'd be just insanely um, much more reliable than a Brock Osweiler or even a, a Tom Savage. And, you know, obviously a lot of people out there, a lot of fans are going to look at the quarterback wins, you know, the playoff wins for Romo because, you know, hashtag QB wins is such a big stat. But let me just remind people that Mr. Mark Sanchez has not one, not two, not three, but four playoff wins. And where's he? So. Mm. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it, it's one of those things, man, where, you know, we see, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like the Favre thing a few years ago. Um, I hope he doesn't drag it out like Favre did, but, you know, I'm, I'm definitely hoping we get to see him again. I mean, it would be fun if he comes back and just kind of, you know, um, just turns around and say, no, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come back, you know, if you say Houston wants to make one final push for him. Because at this point now, too, if he wants to come back, he's free to go anywhere because Dallas has already released him. Yeah. So, you know, Dallas, and it's not like the Marshawn Lynch situation, which we'll get to in a minute. Hey, nice. I didn't expect that segue, but that was cool. Uh, but it's like the Marshawn Lynch situation, you know. Um, Oakland has to wait, and I guess we can kind of get into it now. Oakland kind of has to wait for Seattle to make a move because Seattle still owns his rights. With mm. Romo, Dallas has already cut him. So when he comes back, he's essentially a free agent. So if he does decide to, to turn around and say, yeah, I'll play one more year, Houston can go right after him. And now the, it, they don't even have to worry about the contract now. It, it's fair game. So it's, you know, I, I guess in a way Houston deep down is probably hoping that he does come back. You know, otherwise you have to think their hand is kind of forced with that first round pick. Um, or at least they would strongly have to consider taking a quarterback with that first round pick if they're not able to somehow get Tony Romo. But at least... At least the chances have gone up slightly with the fact that he's been released by Dallas. He's not on their uh, retired list. So, you know, I, I guess never say never. But, you know, it, it, I, I guess it sounds like there's still a little more to the story. Because, you know, what did he say? He's 99% retired. So there's always that... One percent that he uh, he changes his mind, and you never know. In- injuries at the quarterback position happen all the time, and it, all it takes is one phone call. Yeah, and the thing is too is I think what'll help him um, decide that he may want to come back is the Texans have thirty million dollars in cap space. You know, if they want to pay, give him a three-year deal and pay him. $17 million a year and guarantee the first season and a half of a deal, 
which I think that would be pretty fair for him. You guarantee him about $25 million or so. Um, and that leaves the Houston Texans with plenty of cap space still left. I think that would change his mind pretty quickly. Like I, I don't think that would be a problem for either, either, and I think that'd be pretty fair um, to do. So, you know, I think I think that's going to be the number one thing is is how do you say no to that type of offer? Because you know that might be his best chance to win a title, considering that he can't. Uh, uh, you know, go back to Dallas, obviously, and and win that job. So, right. again, I think that's that's a shame that he didn't get a chance to play last year, outside of one drive. But you know, he looked really good in that drive, and I think he'd still be an above average to average starting quarterback. Which, you know, that's that's still an upgrade. It's still an upgrade for this for this Houston uh, Texans team. Uh, so let's kind of jump in more about the Marshawn Lynch talk because. Now there's a report coming out. You know, I saw a report from Ian Rappaport earlier today that it sounds like the, he's going to meet with Coach Jack Del Rio, and this, according to Ian, was the final hurdle. You know, so if all goes well here with this meeting with Del Rio, then it's it almost sounds like nothing's going to nothing really stands in the way other than you know Seattle making the move to send Marshawn Lynch to the Raiders, which, um, you know, obviously they need some running back help with Latavius Murray signing with the Vikings. Um, you know, the question would be, since Lynch has been out of football so long and he's around 30 years old, well, what kind of impact would he have with the Raiders and... You know, there's a lot of mock drafts that have been pegging the Raiders with the running back. Would this kind of prevent them from needing to take a running back so high, or would they still be in the market for a high running back? Maybe not necessarily first round, but possibly day two, even if they do get Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, like you said, he's going to be 31 years old here in a couple weeks. Um, I like this acquisition for Oakland. I think it's a shame that that Lynch sat out last year, but I would have liked to have seen him play. But, you know, I, I am a little bit worried about he and Adrian Peterson. I think both of these guys are probably on their, their fumes. You know, they're, they're, they still have some a little bit something left, you know, maybe one more good year left. I do think Lynch struggled a little bit in 2015. Obviously, you know, he couldn't put together a healthy season. Um, but this is a guy he's kind of been in decline, you know, in general. Uh, the last couple of years, but he's still still a good. I think he'd still probably be a good enough back if he's in shape. And he's definitely, I think, an upgrade for them because Latavius Murray was not a good running back uh, for Oakland, and and I I understand their hesitancy in maybe taking a high running back in this draft and maybe just saying, hey, we'll we'll give up a late round pick for Lynch. We'll take a day two running back. I think that's absolutely fair. That can come in and spell him, and and they've got. Uh, you know they they're able to to kind of ease anyone into that team because they've also got um, a guy that I really like too, Jalen Richard. Yeah. Um, he's a really fun piece. DeAndre Washington is a guy I like as well. So they've got some options in the backfield. Um, they can maybe add a guy like De- uh, Deontay Foreman out of Texas on like the second or third round. That would be a fun piece to have with Marshawn and then these all these speed backs that they've got in the backfield. So, 
you know, I, I like this option for them. It's a buy low move. Say they bring him to camp and he stinks. Then you know what? You just cut him. And if you lose a six-round pick, who cares? Uh, this is the team that a six-round pick is probably not going to make a difference on this roster. So um, I'm all for the move. I'd be really excited to see him back into the NFL, especially in that Oakland Raiders uniform. It just seems so fitting. We would just have to have them go out and sign Darrell Rebus now, and then we'll get an all-2014 all-star <laughs> team out there. But in all seriousness, though, I, I like I would like that move. You know, it would be like a nice little homecoming of sorts for him to kind of wrap up the, his career. You know, obviously played his college ball in California. So, um, and yeah, I think it would definitely be a fantastic fit. You know, if he gets back into gets back into the swing of things, I mean, I'm sure there's no doubt he's in great shape. You know, so let him just kind of gear up and, you know, it's, it's not like it's a porous offensive line. Oakland definitely is one of the better offensive lines. It would certainly be a vast difference from what he played in uh, in Seattle, at least in the later part of his tenure there. You know, going to Oakland, you have, you know, for one, one of my favorite linemen in Gabe Jackson. You know, that, you know, so you got a mauler there. So plug in Lynch there and... You know, obviously, it's not like he'd be the focal point of that offense. You know, Amari Cooper's going to take pressure away. Michael Crabtree can take pressure away. So there's there, there's there's potential there. I, I think I think he would be fun to watch. You know, and it, it would certainly, from the fans' point of view, maybe spice things up a little bit for them. You know, maybe kind of take a little bit of the sour taste out of their mouth of knowing that their franchise is going to be up and leaving in about two years, at least this gives them, you know, something to look, something more to look forward to for this year, at least uh, something to get them excited about because, you know, and, and certainly this is still a playoff caliber roster. They should be in contention at least for a wild card next season. So I think getting Lynch in there should, uh, it should just really help at the very least, yeah, in layman's terms. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's better than what they had. So yeah, yeah. Even, even if he's even if he's not good, it's at least you know. And that's the thing is, hopefully they don't um, you know put all their eggs in that basket. Right. But um, you know, the potential there to be a potentially great player for them for one year um, is definitely there. Uh, so let's jump in now, kind of. Go back to our division uh, previews here. We talked about the East last week. We will jump into the North divisions this week. So we'll start start in the AFC. Start with Pittsburgh. Um, coming off spot in the AFC Championship. Uh, certainly it's been a, a good offseason for them so far. They locked, you know, they franchised Le'Veon Bell. They've... Uh, Locked up Antonio Brown, made him highest paid receiver in the league. Um, but they are still floating around with the, uh, the I guess, the soon-to-be soon retirement. Not Probably not this year. Uh, maybe not even next year. But, I mean, down the line, um, it'll be time to prepare for life without Ben. But, um, you know, overall, it's, it's still a strong roster. You know, there's not really... 
I don't really see too many glaring weaknesses with this team. Um, you know, maybe they could go tight end. And I, I think, actually, um, not too long ago, I think it was a few weeks ago or a month or so ago, I did like a kind of Twitter mock. I was with the Steelers. And I believe I gave them Evan Ingram in the first round. Um, I, I guess, you know, thinking the concussion issues with Ladarius Green, you know, so they could probably, you know, they, see, they seem to like that two tight end set, though I, I think they see, they also like Xavier Grimble. Yeah. But um, other than that, there's not really, I, I think they're in a position, like we talked about with the Patriots last week, where they might just be able to take whoever they like and just plug them in. Yeah, I think so too. It's 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 one of those things like when you're searching through the roster, you're saying, okay, like you see that behind Le'Veon Bell, they could do a lot better, um, unless if they bring back D'Angelo Williams. But you know, D'Angelo's still a free agent, and so you know they don't really don't have a backup. But you're not going to take that in the first round. Um, first round, you know, you mentioned Evan Ingram. That's I think that'd be an interesting possibility, especially. You know, Martavis Bryant, although he was announced that he's going to be reinstated, you know, did they still want to completely trust him? Maybe not. And if they don't, then I think you do need to add a, a playmaking receiver onto this roster. So, you know, that would make sense on offense. Defensively, they could use pass rusher. I think that's probably the number one need on this team. You know, they didn't even bring back Jarvis Jones, which is understandable because he was terrible. Um, Bud Dupree kind of had some moments last year that were kind of flashing and and you're saying okay you know he he you can see that upside but james harrison is still the best edge rusher on this team uh you know they lost uh they lost lawrence timmons to miami so do they trust vince williams as a starter so you could probably say someone on that linebacking core whether it be an edge or a middle linebacker you know that would possibly be a very good addition so maybe a guy if Ruben Foster is somehow on the board which I don't think is lightly but you know maybe if Ruben Foster due to injuries is falling or um, Raekwon McMillan from Miami or from Ohio State I'm sorry uh, an edge rusher there's going to be a, a number of those guys possibly available they could maybe wait till day two for that position so I think there's there's a there's a couple of needs that you're going to want to attack somewhat aggressively uh, but they do have some flexibility here, and, and I think that they could parlay the, the strength of the class, which is on the defensive side, to maybe say, hey, we can get one more offensive playmaker to really set this unit apart, or we can go get our quarterback of the future if there's someone that they like. Which I, I unless if one of the top four guys falls, I would not recommend, though. I just I don't think it's an overly deep class. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. Um you know, if if James Harrison is their best best pass rusher, as you said, um, it's kind of saying something that their best pass rusher is someone that'll turn 39 next month. Um, that's not. I mean, you know, obviously Harrison can still play at the top level, no doubt, but it's also kind of not good when your best pass rusher is almost 40 years old. Um, it, it, that definitely tells me you got to get get some kind of influx of young pass rushing there. You know, like you said, uh, Jarvis Jones really wasn't all that great. Bud Dupree kind of flashed in the playoffs. So, um, you know, got to try to get him going. But, 
Yeah, other than that, like you said, and I think it's interesting you brought up the quarterback point to it. I think it's, you know, certainly not out of the question. I mean, you can't really write anything out of the question when it comes to the NFL draft, but I think you're right. I think um, unless you somehow land one of those top four, you, you might as well wait. You know, don't, don't reach for a guy like Nate Peterman or Davis Webb or any of those guys. Yeah. But, uh, I think, what, 30th pick or wherever they sit, so. Yeah, and the thing is, is, like, at the right value, those guys would make a lot of sense. Right. But late first round is just way too rich. Yeah. Uh, So let's move on to the Ravens. Ravens are always an interesting team. They certainly beefed up their secondary in the offseason, bringing in... um, Tony Jefferson from the Cardinals, Brandon Carn from the Cowboys. So, and you've already got Jimmy Smith, who's one of the better corners, and Eric Weddle still a top safety. So, that's a strong secondary right now in Baltimore. Um, resigned Brandon Williams. They actually just traded Timmy Jernigan to the Eagles. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, uh, which I thought was a uh, you know good move for the Eagles. They needed. They need someone at that one tech, you know, with the loss of Benny Logan. So I think Jared Gick can slide in there. Um, offensively, you know, Mike Mike Wallace is Mike Wallace is back. Um, you know, r- running back is still a bit of a merry-go-round with all the guys they have there. Though they d- did bring in Danny Woodhead. Um, Maybe you could go somewhere there with that 16th pick. Maybe um, get some defensive defensive help there. You know how how much longer does Terrell Suggs have? Um, you know, so maybe linebacker, edge linebacker could be a possibility. Um, so a, a couple ways the Ravens can go here, I think, with that first pick. Yeah, I agree. Um, in my mock draft, I actually gave them. Uh, an edge player, I gave him Carl Lawson um, from Auburn. And reasoning being, you know, is that I, I just don't think they're going to be able to uh, create pressure on the quarterback like they have historically. Um, and that's tough, too, because it's not like they've been super aggressive in uh, in free agency. And they've lost some key guys over the last few years. And... You know, hey, it's it's one of those things where, um, actually, I'm sorry, I gave him Charles Harris out of Missouri, um, but I think that's absolutely the direction that they they'll need to go because, generally speaking, they're going to take a high priority player, um, which for me, that means quarterback, offensive line, or I should really say offensive tackle since that's the highest paid position, um, edge rusher and cornerback. Those are the highest paid positions in the NFL. Um, they signed Brandon Carr, so I think that they're not going to look into the secondary. They've got a ton of money invested in that secondary um, with Weddle and Tony Jefferson now there, too. So I think that adding another edge rusher is going to be priority number one. I think adding another defensive lineman on day three is going to be one of their priorities. They they invested a couple picks there in the last two years, so I don't think they're going to really be too concerned with that one. But And then potentially another offensive lineman, maybe a right tackle or even at guard, 
um, I think that's going to have to be a priority too. So, you know, and they're, and, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things where they've got several needs. And so for them, it's about prioritizing that number one need and, and saying, what are we going to get the most bang for our buck on? And I think that's going to be edge rusher. Uh, we'll head over to Cincinnati. Certainly, uh, Ruben Foster has been a mock draft favorite, as it were, to the to the Bengals with that ninth pick. Um, you know, they certainly could use some linebackers. They did bring in Kevin Minter from Arizona. They released Ray Malaga. Um, wide receiver, I guess, is always a possibility because they're. I don't know. Some could say they're still looking for help next to A.J. Green, even though they took two wide receivers in the draft last year, including one in the second round. Um, you know, maybe some line depth, especially after losing really their two best linemen from last season to free agency. It's now you slot Jake Fisher at left tackle, Cedric Boyhe at, at right tackle. Their top two picks from 2015, they did Resign Eric Winston and Andre Smith, um, but you know certainly can maybe use some help there. Maybe even on the uh, the inside of the line as well. Uh, defensively, you know maybe interior line, middle backer. You know so a few definitely a, a handful of needs here for the Bengals. Um, and certainly, you know, for a team, I, I think this could be kind of a rebuilding stage as well for the Bengals. It might just be about trying to get talent as well, because I think this is a team that's kind of falling away from playoff contention now. But, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, you know, especially at the top of the draft. Yeah, they've they've really lost a lot of talent the last couple of years from uh, free agency and and not being able to uh, uh, resign their own talent, which is, is a des- it's just a decision from them. It's not, it's not like they financially can't, or that they don't have the opportunity. So they, they have to make the most of their picks. I agree. I think they've, they've got a lot of needs. I think they need a starting receiver. I think they need an interior offensive lineman. Um, they're going to need probably a, a running back because you know, Gio Bernard He's going to be coming up to the end of his rookie contract. Jeremy Hill hasn't been consistent. Um, he's only got one year left on his contract after this season. You know, Andy Dalton, he's shown he's pretty much stuck in average. And he, he's not going to be any better than that. So the current cast that he has on offense is not good enough. In my mock draft, I gave them Jonathan Allen from Alabama, even with all that being said, because that's where I think the the – strength of this class is is being able to get a quality higher end defensive line or edge or um, defensive player in general but for them they're going to be looking along that front seven really that front four more than anything to get another impact player in there i think if you could pair geno atkins and jonathan allen on that defensive line along with carlos dunlap and, and michael johnson two guys who are getting a little bit older uh, and then you'd be able to rotate in some of their other recent draft picks. I think that would be a dynamic group. And it's a little bit of just a talent valuation from there. I mean, 
Jonathan Allen, for me, is a mid-first-round pick. I don't have him tremendously high. If his medicals check out, though, he's still just a guy who can who can play football. You know, he's not the best athlete. He's a little bit undersized. He's not, you know, again, he doesn't have the clean medical health that you'd ideally have, but he's just a guy I'm willing to bet on him being a darn good football player. Cleveland, of course, you know, we've really talked about a lot this offseason, really making a lot of moves, picking up one of the aforementioned Bengals free agents in uh, Kevin Zeitler. So, uh, and, of course, they also brought in J.C. Treger, so we talked about how strong that offensive line is right now. Obviously, we know they're going to go with Miles Garrett with that first pick and probably take a quarterback at the number 12 pick. Now, we discussed before, too, the possibility of them not taking a quarterback at 12 and then trading back into round one. I believe it was uh, Charlie Casterly in one of his latest mock drafts that actually had Cleveland moving up to 32 to take Mitchell Trubisky, which you know really surprised me because I honestly don't see Trubisky... Um, falling that far I, I still think there's a good chance he lands with the Jets at 6 um, but he and even if he does land with the Jets at 6 the Browns should have their pick of some of the litter uh, as far as quarterback goes at 12 um, other than that you know just kind of looking through the roster maybe you know Probably could use some help in the secondary because there's not a whole lot there. Um, maybe maybe some linebackers. Um, yeah, but really, I, I don't know. A lot a lot of a lot of variables at play here. I think uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see what the Browns do. Uh, you know. Namely, at that number 12 pick is number one. Obviously, at this point, is a no-brainer. Yeah, and for me, I'm looking at it again. Yeah, we talked about quarterback. Obviously, I think I think quarterback has to be the pick with that second offensive or uh, the second first-round pick. I don't, I don't even think that's really a, a difficult decision. Um, they've got to add talent. And the thing is, is that if they don't, um, the issue is going to be that this offensive staff may not be in position to see any of these picks in 2018 if they don't get a quarterback. I mean, you simply can't enter next season with Cody Kessler being your best quarterback or Brock Osweiler being your best quarterback. Like, you you had one win last year. One win. Like, you can't do that again. Like, no ownership is going to give you another chance. Like, to be honest, Hugh Jackson, and I'm glad that they didn't do this, but they could have fired him after last year. Like, it's not fully Hugh Jackson's fault at all because they had a bunch of injuries. Yeah. But to go 1-15 in and to keep your job is pretty unprecedented precedented in the NFL. Um, so he, he has to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Uh, they have to go quarterback. I think Deshaun Kaiser or... Uh, Patrick Mahomes would be really great for this team. It would, I mean, an offense built, and they came out and said that they want Josh Gordon back. You know, if they could have a receiving core with Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, and Kenny Britt in the first round, 
um, along with that first-round quarterback. And again, you might not start that first-round quarterback even till next year or second half of, of 2017, but you need to be able to sell your ownership on having that guy and that guy that you you believe in. I guarantee you this. If they draft a first-round quarterback, even if he doesn't play, Hugh Jackson will be back in 2018. Unless if they go 0-16. Barring that, he will be back. I can't make the same guarantee if I say it the other way around. If they go 2-14 and and they don't draft a quarterback, because there's going to be a quarterback that's going to be on the board when they get to 12, even if they don't move up, that's going to be better than what they currently have. Guarantee it. Whether it's Deshaun Watson, Mitchell Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Kaiser, I think all four of them are going to be better than Cody Kessler. So they have to take a quarterback, period. Um, so, you know, and then I think, you know, they've got obviously all the rest of those picks. I gave him Marlon Humphrey at the top of the second round from Alabama. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talent on the board there, so I, they've got a lot of flexibility. But I really like Humphrey, and I think he'd be a great fit for them. Um, it would kind of allow them to start moving on from Joe Hayden uh, in the near future, kind of build around another couple corners because they got Brian Body Calhoun, who he looked decent last year. Jamar Taylor's a nice starter, but a guy who can play inside and outside. But Joe Hayden's really been up and down and, and, and not been the same guy as, as we saw early in his career. And uh, late in the second round, I gave him Carlos Henderson, wide receiver from Louisiana Tech. He's one of my favorite receivers in this class. Um, they might seem a little surprising they would take another receiver, but I don't really like any of the guys that they took last year. Like They devoted a number of picks to receiver last year, but I don't think Ricardo Lewis, Richard Higgins, I don't think um, Jordan Payton, I don't think any of those guys are NFL quality. And I didn't like them as prospects either, so... Um, you know, a little bit, a little bit of that's going off what I saw last year. A little bit's just going off of what I saw of them at, pro- at prospects. You could have a dynamic group of four receivers that are very cheap too. Remember, Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon, and now Carlos Henderson would all be on rookie contracts. And if Josh Gordon doesn't work out, well, guess what? You've got Carlos Henderson now, and you can have Henderson and Britt on the outside with Coleman in the slot, and you can rotate Henderson and Coleman inside and outside. Yeah, that would be uh, a real nice foursome for uh, whoever the quarterback is. And then, you know, a guy like Duke Duke Johnson backfield. All of a sudden, I've got a pretty solid offense. Um, And, you know, with Hugh Jackson as coach, could be a team that could uh, start winning some games. You know, maybe not be in playoff contention right away, but the, the foundation will at least be there to start building. Uh, let's move over to the NFC side. We'll start with Green Bay, who uh, was, you know, certainly wiped out by the Falcons in the NFC Championship, and um, I think, you know, can you can you make the argument that the way they were beat down in the NFC Championship signal that they should get some secondary help? I mean, they could. It, it feels like they need help, like kind of almost across the board. On defense, um, you know, they did bring back Devon House, but um, you know, is, is he really the answer there? Are they going to have to go corner at some point here, or do you see them going somewhere else early? 
Yeah, I think I think corner is going to be the the number one position for them. Uh, they've got to get an edge rusher too, and you could argue they could probably get another offensive. Uh, potentially to someone maybe a little bit uh, more guard heavy that could use a tackle and try to try to get some of that value back because they need a starting they need two starting guards really although they they, they might tr- trust one of Lane Taylor or Don Barclay um, but I think that they're I think that's a trouble spot for them and they need to get a guard I think that they need to get a corner too because they've got three corners in Devon House Ladarius Gunter. And Quentin Rollins, who are not especially fast, and spe- specifically Gunter can't run. Um, so they need to get a corner who can play inside or outside and be able to replace basically Gunter and House. Hunt, uh, House is a little bit better as like a nickel or dime back. To me, I, I gave them Tredavious White from LSU. I think he'd be just a tremendous fit for them. I think Gary and Conley from Ohio State would also be fantastic for them. Um, because of their inside and outside ability, and they've got the athleticism, they've got the length. I mean, everything that you really want in a good corner, these guys can both be solid number two, high-end number two corners who can play inside if in a pinch if you need them to. And, uh, you know, I, I think White would quickly be the number one corner on this team. And then in the second round, I gave them uh, Caleb Brantley, a defensive lineman. He's a, a pass-rushing defensive tackle. Um, he would kind of be... Similar to Mike Daniels, and in passing downs, though, you're going to play Brantley and Daniels together and allow them to rush the passer. And really, at that position, it's just about the best value on the board. And for me, Brantley was right up there as far as some, one of the best values on the board. But, you know, you could argue that guard is the position there. I just don't think there's going to be a good – there may not be a very good guard prospect there in the late second round, and I'm not willing to, to reach that far on an average guard prospect. Um, I think they can just continue to add to that defense, and that has to be their number one priority, I think, just to get faster, get more athletic. Minnesota sitting without a first-round pick, thanks to the Sam Bradford deal. Um, you know, But they were certainly busy in the offseason. They did lose Matt Khalil to the Panthers, but they bring in... Um, they brought in Riley Reef from the Lions. Uh, but other than that, the offensive line still looks kind of meh. So probably have to touch on that a little bit. Um, brought in Latavius Murray, but you know, as we talked about earlier, he was kind of you know okay in Oakland. wasn't great. Uh, I, I still like Jarek McKinnon. I'm still kind of a fan of his. Uh, Defensively, still, you know, they're still fantastic. Although there is the talk now of Sharif Floyd, uh, with his career being in jeopardy with the kind of health issues he's been going through. So, I wonder if that kind of plays into the Vikings' plans if they have to, you know, maybe look at interior defensive line at some point in this draft. And then, um, you know, other than that, just just find whatever they can grab, you know, locked up, you know, they still have Emerson Griffin and Brian Robinson, so they, overall, I think they're okay on defense, but 
offense probably needs some tweaking again, definitely offensive line. So that should probably be some of the early target points. Um, you know, even even without the first round pick, so they gotta gotta maneuver a little bit, strategize a bit, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, they're in a tough spot without that first round pick in this, in this guard class, and I think that getting that guard early uh, to compete at right guard with Willie Beavers, because Willie Beavers was a disaster last year. Pretty much every other spot is fairly taken care of. They gave Mike Remmers a big deal. Alex Boone has a fat contract. Riley Reef is a nice player. Center, I think they could. They need to add some some competition there. Um, Joe Berger was not great last year, and injuries. I think and injuries and age are part of the reason. Uh, but they can add a late round center. Centers come from the day three all the time, um, so I don't think they're going to be in a rush to do that. But I think right guard, and I gave them Nico Siragusa uh, from. San Jose State, or San Diego State, excuse me, and Saragusa, you'd be right, Tony Saragusa's uh, relative, and he is a dude that can just move people. He's a big dude. Um, he is powerful. I think he could be a, a nice starter in the NFL, and so um, I think that'd be a nice pick for them. It might be reaching a little bit, but their need is so dire that sometimes it just happens, and then I agree with you. I think in that Second and third, or I'm sorry, third and fourth rounds, you'd start to be looking at, you know, maybe adding another linebacker, um, maybe adding another safety into the mix. Um, I think those would probably be the number two and three needs on this team, and then adding more defensive tackle depth. But that's not going to be something that I would really prioritize. Riley Roof's former team, uh, the Detroit Lions. Really struck gold last year in the first year with the Taylor Decker pick. It certainly made uh, Riley Reef expendable. Bring in TJ Lang, the guard from Green Bay, brought in Ricky Wagner, tackle from Baltimore. So, um, you know, got a solid offensive line there. Uh, skill pos- positions, they're pretty solid there. You know, you still have your top two guys and TJ Jones is decent depth, so is Keyshawn Martin. Running backs, of course, they have a plethora of them. You look at defense, um, brought back Nada, but maybe you look at um, maybe someone to eventually replace him and go alongside uh, Ashawn Robinson, who had a pretty decent rookie season. Uh, brought in Paul Warlow from the Falcons. And then secondary, you know, Slay is still top dog there. Brought in DJ Hayden from the Raiders. So, um, you know, it could, it could be, um, you know, maybe pass rush they could go with opposite Ziggy Ansa. Maybe, I don't know, maybe tight end if they're not feeling with uh, Eric Ebron or kind of starting to get a little sour on Eric Ebron. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think on the Lions? Yeah, I, I would be surprised if they went tight end again, um, just because they, they did take E. Brown and they took Brandon Pettigrew before that. I, I think they're going to probably have to try to avoid tight end, at least that early, especially mm-hmm. in the deep class. But it is a need, though. I do, I do agree. I think it is a need for them. Um, for me, 
I really would have to prioritize that defense. I think they need. They still haven't lost Devin Taylor. He's still a free agent somehow. Maybe they get him back. I would like to see them bring him back. He's a nice defensive end. He's not an ideal starter, but he's a competition guy, a guy that you has a third down rotational rusher. Um, but they need a defensive end badly. They need two linebackers at least, um, I think. And, and you know they could probably use uh, more competition at the cornerback position too. So you know I, there's a lot of defensive needs. I gave them now again. This is the what I would do mock. And so what I would do mock is I would take Carl Lawson from Auburn. Um, he might be off the board by then, or he might go slightly later, but I think he'd be a terrific fit for them. And I know everyone's higher on Hassan Reddick than I am. I like him a lot, but he's a positional uh, change guy, and, and those converts to me are not guys I'm going to take overly high. I've seen some people some people speculate he'd be a top-10 pick. It's insane to me. He's an off-ball linebacker. He does not create turnovers. He is not a premium position on defense. So in my mock, I gave them Hassan Reddick in the second round, which is not going to happen. But maybe they get a guy like Anthony Walker from Northwestern or Jared Davis from Florida, and they can add some athleticism and some coverage ability to that unit. And last but certainly not least, well, record-wise they released among this group, (laughs) but uh, the Chicago Bears, who've got the dynamic duo of Mike Glennon and Mark Sanchez. As their top two quarterbacks, we what, what a ride that's gonna be. Um, but who knows? It, it probably prevents them from going quarterback early, at least in the first round, maybe first couple rounds. Um, I, I think defense is gonna be the pick there early. I, I think they probably got to work on the defense a little bit. You know, Fuller's nice. Adrian Amos has played pretty well, but I think you could still use some help there in the secondary. Um, probably linebacker you'll be looking at. Um, defensive line, maybe. So I, I think you you probably got to work on that defense um, throughout the draft to get the Chicago Bears. I think that's got to be your main focus and main targets here. Yeah, I tend to agree, and and this is a team that that's really a. They've got some nice pieces, but they also have some some disastrous parts of this roster. I mean, I'm actually good with Mike Lennon. Um, you could argue, and I think that Deshaun Kaiser would be a really good fit for them at number three. I don't know that any of these quarterbacks is going to beat out Mike Lennon this year. Um. And that's not to say Glennon's great because I'm not a Glennon fan, but he, I think he's going to come in and I think he's going to be able to execute on a very basic level and be able to extend some drives and, and be a nice below average but still decent quarterback. I think he'll be what people thought Brock Osweiler was going to be, someone that could hold the ship and not be a disaster. Unfortunately, Osweiler was a disaster, but I think Glennon can be that type of quarterback. I know that the money seems crazy, um, you know, and it's it's a lot, but I do think that he's a he's a low tier starting quarterback, and it's going to allow them to go elsewhere with their picks. You know, they could use they could certainly use help 
at wide receiver. That's un- undoubtedly. But they did sign Marcus Wheaton. Cameron Meredith is a nice player, and they got Kendall Wright. And so I, I don't think they're going to prioritize it, although I think they could use another receiver. In my mock draft, I actually gave them uh, Mike Williams in the second round. And now that's not going to happen. Again, that's, that's not going to happen. Mike Williams will be a top 15 pick in the draft. Um, but, you know, I, in, so I think that they should be open to taking a wide receiver if a good one falls to them. And, and they're going to have a couple cha- chances to take one. But I, I, for the most part, though, I agree with you. I, I think I, if I'm them, I'm taking a guy like Malik Hooker or Marshawn Lattimore, number three. I'm definitely taking an Ohio State guy at number three. Um, just because those two prospects are so dynamic and they're so incredibly gifted, not only physically but but mentally, they're way ahead of of where their counterparts are. Most of them entering the league. Um, but yeah, they definitely need defensive line help. They they need another edge rusher, um, and they could. They're good at linebacker, which is you know funny, but it's um, they could use basically a, a rotational edge rusher to that group. So their priority needs to be the secondary, defensive line, linebacker, wide receiver, in that order. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, Yeah, so with that, that wraps up the two North Divisions. Next week, we will tackle the two South Divisions, which um, are certainly two fun divisions to talk about, especially the AFC South. Um. You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, especially since two of the two of those four teams have top five picks. Although one, of course, has a top five pick by coming out like gangbusters in a trade, and so we'll we'll get to that, and that'll be fun to talk about. But uh, I think with that, I think we'll wrap things up here. Um, you know, any final thoughts you want to get out? Anything we might have missed, or anything you want to shout out? I don't think so. Um, just check out draftcentric.weebly.com to buy my draft guide. Again, if you know if we can get a little bit more in sales, and we're on pace to do it, but if we get a little bit more in sales, I, I'll be pretty much willing to guarantee there's a 2018 draft guide. Um, yeah, I really enjoy making it, um, but you know we you know, got to make it worth it. And um, you know I appreciate all the support and everything that that ever on all the kind words that everyone's given back to me. So. Um, really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, again, if, if you're listening and you haven't checked out Ian's draft guide, um, at the very least, check out the 10-page sampler that he has and get a taste of what he's offering. And if, if you like it, uh, definitely consider buying it because it is only $7, which I think is fantastic value for what he brings to the table and again it's not like he's keeping all the profits he's donating some of his earnings to to charity which i think is fantastic so all that considered you know you you really should consider looking at ian's draft guy i know there's a lot of others out there and you know they're all great in their own in their own right but i, I really think and, and again, I, it's not just me saying this because he's my partner. I've looked at it. I've, I've gotten a chance to see it, and it's fantastic. You know, it's really well put out. You know, the way he presents the players, gives his take. Um, you know, he, he has his big board, and he 
has his different ways of um, you know explaining the different players. So I, I think it's really really just a fantastic tool and certainly one that I'm going to be using going forward as far as like my mock drafts go and just when it comes to the draft itself to help me understand a lot of these players. So, um, so with that, I think we'll head on out of here. And like Ian said, you know, we really appreciate you guys listening and checking us out and hope you guys have a good week. We'll see you next time right here on GG. Take care my friends.